Welcome to Sleep Cues, the everything baby sleep podcast. I'm Erin, pediatric sleep consultant and founder of The Happy Sleep Company. From catnaps to night wakes and regressions to teething, we cover all things baby sleep. With a passion for children's sleep, we're here to help tired families get healthy rest. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Sleep Cues, the everything baby sleep podcast. Today is Q&A Tuesday. Today is really focused on older kiddos for the most part. So if you have an older kiddo already or you have a younger child and you are looking forward to those preschooler, those toddler preschooler years, today is for you because you are going to get some tips for how to deal with some pretty common things that we see when a child is in that two to four year mark, when there are a lot of transitions to their sleep to their sleep schedules, to their sleep space. So we're going to cover all of that today because I just happened to get a lot of questions about two, three, four-year-olds in the last couple of weeks, especially on Instagram over my DMs. So I dug through those and pulled out a number of questions about toddlers and preschoolers. So here we go. The first one is actually about travel and older kiddos. Going on a trip and sharing a hotel room with a 12-month-old and a three-year-old. Any tips? Lots of tips. But we have to remember it really depends on your children. It depends on each of your individual children's temperaments, their sleep habits, their sleep skills. Are they independent sleepers already? Generally, my answer to a lot of things about sleep is that'll go fine if your children are good sleepers. You know, going on a trip with my child and wondering how they're going to do with sleep. Well, if they're already a good sleeper, that's probably going to go fine. I want my siblings to share a bedroom. How do you think that's going to go? Well, probably if they're already good sleepers, that'll go fine. So similar answer to this question, going on a trip and sharing a hotel room with a one-year-old and a three-year-old. If they're both good sleepers, I wouldn't stress too much. It's probably going to go just fine. But certainly there are some things that we can put in place to try to make it go even better. The first thing is the sleep environment. So really make sure you're setting the hotel room up in a manner that it is as similar as possible to what your children are used to at home because that's going to make them feel more comfortable and set it up so that it's actually a really sleep conducive environment. So if your children are used to sleeping in a nice dark, quiet room, which many of our children are at home in their nice cozy bedrooms or nurseries, then we want to try to recreate that in a hotel, especially in a hotel because it's such an unfamiliar environment. We want to make it nice and dark and quiet so your children aren't distracted and disturbed by unusual noises or light coming in and all the things they can see around this unusual space that they're sleeping in. So blackout curtains, portable blackout curtain. Take it with you to make sure that you can really make the room nice and dark. Sleep out is a really good option. It's a portable blackout curtain that sticks in the window with suction cups, but it rolls up really small so you can pack that in your luggage. Another option may be a slumber pod for your 12-month-old's pack and play, assuming that your 12-month-old is sleeping in a crib then I assume that they are sleeping in either a mini crib or a pack and play when you're at the hotel. So a slumber pod might be a great option. It's sort of a portable tent, blackout tent that fits over top of your child's pack and play. And that might be a good option to just really create a separate feeling space for your one-year-old separate from your three-year-old. So making the room nice and dark, 
creating that separate space if you can, making it nice and quiet. I would use a sound machine in a hotel, even if your children don't sleep with one at home. I would take one to a space like a hotel because we want to drown out some of those external sounds like people talking in the hallway, footsteps overhead if you have someone in the hotel room above you. So a sound machine is a great idea. If your children sleep with a levy, make sure you don't forget it. If they sleep with a little you know, stuffed bunny toy or teddy bear, make sure that is with you because that comfort object is going to provide just that, a a certain extra level of comfort in a space that they're not so familiar with. So tuck them in with their lovies in their puck and play or for your three-year-old, probably ensuring that you have either ordered an extra cot from the hotel if you don't have a full bed for your three-year-old. So one of the cots that they will normally rent or taking a blow-up bed with you. There are some blow-up bed options for toddlers and preschoolers that you can get that have rails in built into the sides. So when you blow it up, there's actually rails. So you could take something like that with you. So it's a nice, small, cozy bed, probably akin to what your three-year-old is used to at home. All of that is going to make them feel really cozy. When it comes to where they sleep, yes, you may all be sleeping in the same room and that's probably the biggest hurdle to face. And that really goes back to my comment about how this will probably go better if your children are already good sleepers. So working on those really good independent sleep skills before you go on your trip, if you haven't already, is probably going to help out on your trip. This way we can assume that likely your one-year-old may go to bed a little bit earlier than your three-year-old, depending on their napping schedules. And you're going to be able to put your one-year-old down, let them go to sleep maybe first, and then put your three-year-old down a little bit later when your one-year-old is already asleep. But of course, ask your three-year-old to be nice and quiet because of their sibling. Now, I know that might be, you know, ideal scenario and maybe a unicorn scenario for some families because certainly depending on your child's temperament, your three-year-old might not be willing to be quiet in a big new stimulating environment where they're kind of wired because they're in a hotel room, but we're going to have to do the best we can. You could consider booking a suite, a hotel room that is a suite. So it has a bedroom, but also sort of a separate living space outside of the bedroom if that is an option for your family. And if that's an option at a hotel near where you're staying, because that could really help out where you could put your one-year-old in their pack and play in the bedroom and keep your three-year-old separate and quiet outside of the room in in the living area while your one-year-old falls asleep or vice versa, depending on your child's sleep schedules. Maybe your three-year-old doesn't nap anymore, so they go to bed really early, but your one-year-old still has two naps a day, so they go to bed a little later. But staggering the bedtimes may help so that one of your children is already asleep by the time you put the other one to bed. So those are some tips about that hotel room sharing. Next question is about a five-year-old. How can I reset my five-year-old sleep cycle habit of waking at 5.30 a.m. no matter the bedtime? If you're playing, you've been playing around with bedtimes and you're still seeing your child at five years of age waking up at exactly 5.30 a.m. every day, it may be more about the fact that they are in a light stage of sleep at that time and they're five years old and they're just really excited to get up and start their day. It may very well not be that they're not tired anymore, that your bedtime is off. Your bedtime might be just right. And they probably are still a bit tired at 5.30 in the morning, but there's a lot less sleep pressure left at 5.30 in the morning than there was at one in the morning when they maybe woke up and just rolled over and went back to sleep. So 
Because a five-year-old doesn't really understand the concept of needing some more rest at 5.30 in the morning, we usually need to implement some age-appropriate rewards and consequences to motivate them to stay in their bed, working on continuing to sleep at 5, 5.30 in the morning when their body clock is getting into that later stage of sleep. I very often use a wake-up clock with a child this age, so something like the grow clock or the hatch, which uses a light to explain to your child, to illustrate to your child when it's time to be in bed working on sleeping and when it's okay to get up and start the day. So with the grow clock, for example, it turns blue at night and it turns yellow when you have set it to turn yellow in the morning. And I normally recommend that parents set it for 6 a.m. to start. And then as your child gets used to and good at staying in bed until the light turns yellow, you could start to move it to 6.15, 6.30. But I would set your child up for success by setting it at 6 a.m. to start. And then we usually need to attach some age-appropriate rewards and consequences to the concept of this light because most five-year-olds won't necessarily just stay in bed until the clock turns yellow because you asked them to. Normally, they're going to need some motivation. So you might consider a sticker chart and something like explaining to your child, okay, if you can go to bed quickly and quietly when the clock is blue at night and stay in your bed quietly until the clock is yellow, we're going to put a sticker on a chart. And maybe when you get two stickers, maybe this is what we're explaining. When you get two stickers, you're going to get a big prize. And then you can talk to your child about what they might like that prize to be to really make them feel part of the decision. And like they have some decision-making power in this situation. So maybe it's a new Paw Patrol stuffy. Maybe it is ice cream for breakfast if you're okay with food treats, but it's something to motivate them. And then of course, we'll call this temporary bribery because then maybe we do three stickers to the next reward. And then maybe we do five stickers to the next reward until we really have this habit ingrained. Often rewards aren't really enough. And we need to also have some balance in there with some age appropriate consequences. And you as a family would have to decide what that is. Families need to certainly look at their own individual child and think about what might be age appropriate, child specific and appropriate for their own child when it comes to those rewards and consequences. But those are some ideas around how you might make that wake up clock work for your child and your family. Next question, my three and a half year old is scared at night. So up multiple times at night, how can I help her? So this too may be a situation where a grow clock or a wake up clock of some kind could be helpful. But we also have to keep in mind, this is different than a five-year-old just waking up at 5.30 every day. This is a three and a half year old who's scared at night. So up multiple times at night. So of course we want to take into consideration that your three and a half year old is expressing a fear. And we want to consider the strategy that we take when it comes to managing that fear, but also working on really consistently having your child sleep in their own bed and sleep through the night if that is your goal as a family. So in this situation, we might take a strategy where we start by sitting next to your child's bed as they're trying to fall asleep at night, if they're running out of their room saying they're scared at bedtime, or as they're trying to fall back to sleep in the middle of the night, if they're running out of their room scared in the middle of the night. 
a lot of times when I'm working with a family or when I'm first talking to a family, they've expressed to me that because their child is scared, they've started lying in their child's bed in the middle of the night. And that often for a three plus year old becomes sort of a sleep crutch. So sometimes your child is scared and waking up to tell you they're scared and they want you to lie with them. And other times it's very likely that your child is just wanting you to lie with them because that's fun and cuddly. But as a parent, that often results in a lot of exhaustion because you're up multiple times at night doing this lie down once again. So you may want to start by moving away from that by sitting next to your child's bed. I'm not going to lie in your bed anymore, but I am going to sit next to your bed so you feel safe and comfy as we make this transition. You might not use a word like transition. Always make sure you are using words that you feel very confident that your individual child, based on them and their age, are going to understand. So I'm going to sit by your bed. And maybe you sit by their bed for a few nights. And meanwhile, in the background, you're also using a wake-up clock with some rewards and consequences, as we talked about, related to the last question. But in this case, we're also sitting by the bed as a way to help your child make this transition probably away from you lying with them and also helping to ensure that they're not afraid, that they understand that you are there for them and there's nothing to be afraid of. And then maybe after a few nights, you move your chair a little further away from their bed. So they're starting to get this concept and get more comfortable going to sleep without you lying in their bed at first and then without you sitting right next to their bed for a few days and just sitting in the middle of the room. And then maybe we move to their doorway for a few days as they get more comfortable with that. Again, all the while using that wake-up clock with those rewards systems attached to it to help motivate them as well. And then ultimately getting to the point where you're able to simply leave the room because your child is now comfortable falling asleep in their bed independently and is also still using that reward system to get you to the other side of this until your child is really very comfortable going to sleep on their own and you've really developed a consistent habit of them going to sleep on their own and staying in their bed all night. The other thing to remember when it comes to fears is ensuring that we help our child understand we are there for them to calm those fears, but not to necessarily exacerbate fears like ghosts and monsters in their room. Very often I will have parents tell me that their child feels there are ghosts in their room or monsters under their bed or snakes in their closet. And a parent, very well-intentioned, will get out a flashlight and look under the bed for the monsters or look in the closet for the snakes and then show their child, see, we've looked together and we didn't see them there, so there aren't any there. The issue with this approach is that it actually validates to your child that there could be monsters under their bed or there could be snakes in their closet because mom or dad just went and looked for them. I didn't even really necessarily think there were monsters under my bed. I just kind of said it. I wasn't really sure about it. Maybe I thought there were. I wasn't totally convinced. But now I'm actually convinced that there could be because mom went and looked for them. Like she's an adult and she thought there might be monsters under there such that she got out a flashlight and looked for them. So my suggestion is that instead you calmly explain to your child that there are no such thing as monsters or ghosts, that they are things that we hear about in stories or on television, on shows, but they aren't something that we need to be worried about in our home because they can't be in our home. And snakes live outdoors, they can't be in our home. So explaining those things to your child rather than looking for the monsters and the snakes is much more likely to calm their nerves about this because you are sitting with them, you are talking them through it, you are validating their feelings, but you are not validating this mythical creature being in their room. 
and potentially exacerbating that fear. So those are some tips on helping out with those nighttime fears. Next question, is it bad if a three-year-old naps at daycare, but you don't nap him at home on the weekends anymore? Nothing's bad as long as it works for your child. You have to remember that. So certainly I have seen children who are three years of age who will nap at daycare, but don't nap at home on the weekends and then still do just fine at night. However, I will say that very often I see when a child naps at daycare, but doesn't nap on the weekends, their body clock gets really thrown off. Because really, if a child is napping, if a child's three years old and napping at daycare during the week, they probably don't need to be going to bed until close to 8 p.m. They're probably not tired enough to go to bed until close to 8 p.m. But if a child is three years old and it's Saturday and we're skipping naps at home at this point, then that child probably needs to go to bed at like 6, 6.30 p.m. because they're so tired by that time at that age without a nap. So generally, I find it can be harder because parents are either trying to put their child to bed at 8 p.m. some days and 6 p.m. other days, and then their body clock is just very confused, or a parent is trying to put their child to bed at the same time every night, whether they've had a two-hour nap or no nap at all, and that is not likely to go well. Because if we are trying to put a child who hasn't napped to bed at 7.30, 8pm, because that's when they normally go to bed during the week when they have napped, that child on the weekends is going to be really overtired. So we really need to consider that and probably consider trying to make the nap schedule and the bedtime schedule the same seven days a week for most children. Again, if it works for your child, you're finding that your child can nap during the week and not on the weekends and you can shift around their bedtime and that works, then that's great. And you always do what works for your individual child. But in general, I would suggest that once your child stops napping somewhere, they stop napping everywhere. So if your child no longer naps at home on the weekends, I would generally suggest that you talk to daycare about also removing the nap. This is a common request that daycares get and one that they generally need to accommodate when a parent says, this isn't working for our family anymore. My child doesn't nap on the weekends. I don't think he actually needs a nap anymore. And so we need you to help us remove the nap from daycare. They may still need to lay on a cot for a certain amount of time per daycare guidelines just to have a rest for their body. But perhaps they could have some quiet books or puzzles to play with on their cot rather than actually going to sleep. Because at three plus years, most children are ready, if not starting to get ready, they are fully ready to drop their nap. Definitely by age four, but at any point after about the age of three, most children are starting to be ready to drop their nap. And very often if they're still having a nap at daycare, it's shifting everything where they'll nap at daycare so then they're not tired enough to go to bed at night. So then they stay up really late. So then they're exhausted the next day. So then they nap again at daycare, but then at home for their parents on the weekend, they refuse their nap. So this can lead to a lot of bedtime struggles, overnight struggles, All of this to say, in general, I find it's better if a child has a similar sleep schedule seven days a week rather than napping five days a week and not napping on the weekends. Generally, we're either going to try to push through and work on and persevere with that nap at home on weekends if you really feel your child still needs a nap and they're napping five days a week at daycare. So you persevere and you try to work on it and get your child to go down for that nap on the weekends if you truly still believe they need it. Or... We remove the nap on the weekends because your child is just fighting it, not tired enough for it, never going down for it, and it's really messing with their schedule. And you also have a conversation with your daycare about trying to remove the nap at daycare, and then you just pull 
your child's bedtime earlier all seven days of the week if they're not napping anymore. Final question for today. What is the ideal nap and bedtime for a two and a half year old? This is a great question because two and a half is usually a fairly transitional age for napping and bedtiming. Generally, I would suggest that we need to, you hear me say generally a lot. (laughs) That is because no two children are exactly the same. And I never want anyone who's listening to this podcast to think that every single word that comes out of my mouth is the golden word for every single child in the world. Of course, one two and a half year old might be different than the next. I have heard of a two and a half year old having a three hour nap and still being tired enough to go to bed at 7 p.m. But in general, is that the norm? It's not. So what I'm generally talking, what I'm generally, what I'm talking about on sleep cues when I say generally is the average, what I see as the norm in the many, many, many children that I work with at this age and that we at the Happy Sleep Company as a team work with at this age. That's why you hear me say generally so often. So generally, at two and a half years of age, I would suggest that a child's nap be capped at an hour and a half max. When I see a two and a half year old still napping for two plus hours, I often see them really struggling with bedtime. They're not tired enough. There's not enough sleep pressure and they're two and a half and they're wired and their minds are going a thousand miles a minute. So it's already hard for them to wind down at bedtime. They're not tired enough for bedtime. That makes it even harder. So I usually find that at two and a half, we just do an hour and a half nap and not longer. And then At two and a half years of age, we are also usually doing a 7.30 bedtime. Again, a lot of parents at this age are still thinking seven o'clock bedtime, seven o'clock bedtime. But if your child is napping an hour and a half and is two and a half years old, most won't be quite tired enough for bed at seven o'clock at this point. And we're probably shifting to a 7.30 bedtime. So that's on average for a two and a half year old. Yours might be more tired than the average and need a slightly longer nap and a slightly earlier bedtime. Yours might not need as much sleep as the next two and a half year old and need an hour nap and a slightly later bedtime. But I find that an hour and a half nap and a 7.30 bedtime works quite well for most two and a half year olds. That's a wrap up of the top five questions of the week. I hope that was helpful. Again, if you have an older kiddo and you're in the thick of all of this, I hope that some of these answers really resonated with you and gave you some tips on how you can manage some various sleep challenges you could be having with your older kiddos. And if you have a baby or a very young toddler, hopefully this was helpful to prepare you for these upcoming months and years where we can run into some specific sleep challenges, but they're nothing that we can't overcome if we just have the right tools in place. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to Sleep Cues, the everything baby sleep podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and share this episode with a mom or dad who might need some rest. Connect with us on Instagram at The Happy Sleep Company, and check out our website, thehappysleepcompany.com, for loads of blogs, sleep guides, and information about how we work with families one-on-one to get sleep on track.